We are drawing closer to the end of Paul's letter to the Romans, and Paul is beginning to bring things to a conclusion. And this morning we're looking at Romans chapter 15, verses 22 through 33. And in this passage, Paul is going to share with the Romans his plans, which are gospel-centered plans. And Paul desires to let them know about these plans so that they will be encouraged, so that they will have something to look forward to in Paul's visit. But also he shares this with them so that they will pray for him and that God will bless him in his ministry. This morning we're going to read beginning of verse 22 through the end of chapter 15. Paul says, This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia, we're pleased to make a contribution for the, the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. And they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for the few minutes that we have this morning to look to your word, to see the heart of the Apostle Paul. Lord, this was your servant. This was your chosen servant, whom you called by grace on the road to Damascus. You saved him miraculously, and marvelously, and then called him to your service to be a missionary to the nations. And Lord, in this passage, we see his heart for that mission, to take the gospel to places where it has not been before, and to seek to be a blessing and encouragement to your people. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the heart of Paul. May we share this heart, because this is a gospel heart. These are gospel plans. And Lord, even though we are not the same as Paul, you've called us all as your people to be a part of this one mission of taking the good news to the nations. And so Lord, may we, may we not only learn, but may we be challenged and encouraged from these words of Scripture today. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Paul says in verse 22, he says, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. And to understand that, we have to kind of look back at the few verses before that. 
and to see where in verses 14 through 21, Paul was explaining really his mission to the Gentiles and that God had called him to that mission. And a particular aspect of that mission was that Paul was called by God to be a pioneering missionary, a pioneering missionary to the Gentiles. And he said that it was his desire, it was his call to go where Christ had not been named. And so one of the reasons that Paul has not yet been to Rome is because the gospel has already made it there. The gospel has already made it there. There are already groups of believers. There's a church in the the city of Rome. And so Paul's focus has been throughout his whole ministry to go places where the gospel has not yet been made known, where the, the words of Jesus Christ have not yet been preached. And so Paul would go to places throughout Greece, places throughout Asia Minor, which we know is Turkey, and he would go to different cities and he would preach the gospel. And, and often it was the very first time that the gospel was preached in those locations. But then Paul mentions in our passage this morning, he says, there is now no more work for me in these regions, which based on his role, his call as a pioneering missionary means that pretty much this, the area where he had been, had been saturated at least with the initial proclamation of the gospel. And that the foundation for churches in many cities had been laid in those regions. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't more growth to be done, right? The growth of a Christian life is never done until glory. The the maturity of a church and and bringing a church to unity and and doctrinal understanding and, and zealously living out the faith, that work is never done. But for Paul in particular, his ministry as a pioneering ministry of breaking new ground, he felt like he had accomplished that in those regions where he was. And so having done that, he is laying out for them his plans of what he hopes to do in the near future. And I want us to see, first of all, in this passage that these are plans for the gospel's expansion. These are plans for the gospel's expansion. And you can see in just the things that Paul says, the priority that he places on pioneering type of gospel ministry. You can see that in a couple of ways. One is in the fact that he has not yet been able to make it to Rome. Why? Because he's been so focused on going places where Christ has not been named. So you can see his heart, his passion for pioneering gospel ministry in that. But you can also see it in the way that he describes his desire to come to Rome. Because his desire to come to Rome is, he sees Rome not as the ultimate destination. He sees Rome as a stop along the way for him to encourage the Roman Christians, for them to encourage him, for him to edify and teach them for a bit. But really, that's not his ultimate goal. His ultimate goal, which he expresses very clearly in this passage, is to go beyond Rome all the way to Spain. Now, in Paul's day, and really for a long time, Spain was the edge of the known world. And so Paul's desire is to take the gospel to the farthest reaches that he can possibly do it. He wants to go 
even though he wants to visit Rome and he expressed that desire from the very beginning in chapter 1, he's now reiterating that desire. Still, his ultimate call and his ultimate passion is to go where Christ has not yet been named. And so he wants to pass through Rome and even get their help, he says, that you may encourage me and, and, and assist me on my journey. He wants to go through Rome to encourage them, but also that they might assist him and and move him forward and propel him forward to Spain to accomplish that pioneering ministry. And so Paul has plans for gospel expansion. He wants the gospel to go far and wide. But he also sees the importance of gospel encouragement and fellowship. And so as a part of gospel expansion, there's also the gospel expansion that can happen in a church of believers where they've already heard the gospel. Because in chapter 1, Paul said, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. So even though Paul knows the gospel has already been preached there, there are already believers there that he's writing to, still he wants to proclaim the gospel there because we all continue to need the gospel, don't we? Unbelievers need to hear the gospel. Those who are already in the faith need to hear the gospel. We need to be continued to be grounded in the gospel. And so Paul sees the the priority of pioneering gospel ministry, but he does see the importance of a gospel encouragement, a gospel fellowship, and gospel edification with the Christians in Rome. And so he wants to spend some time with them for additional teaching and edification and sharing the gospel with them. These plans for gospel expansion, Paul realizes, need to be submitted to the sovereign will of God. These plans for gospel expansion need to be submitted to the sovereign will of God. And Paul understands that. He even alludes to that, says it in verse 32, when he says, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will. So he understands that these are are gospel-driven plans. These are gospel-focused plans. These are plans that are are very good and, and fit with the the desires of God, the moral will of God. But Paul understands that these plans may not quite fit with the sovereign plans of God. He understood the Proverbs that say that a man devises his way, but the Lord determines his steps. And so Paul understood that he could plan even good plans, but that those plans may not come to fruition because God's plans are ultimate. And interestingly enough, these plans never did come to full fruition in the way that Paul envisioned them. You can read the book of Acts, and you can see that Paul's desire to visit Rome and then to to go on from Rome to Spain never really unfolded the way that he envisioned. He did make it to Rome, but he made it to Rome in chains, under house arrest with Roman guards because he had appealed to Caesar because he had been arrested in Jerusalem. So he made it to Rome, but he did not make it as a free man. He made it as a prisoner. And as far as we know from the book of Acts and from church history, Paul never made it to Spain. His life ended in Rome. So he had plans. He had gospel focused plans, 
but they were plans that he knew needed to be submitted to the will of God because God's will, his plans, may not always be our plans. And so Paul understood that. We see in this passage also not only plans for the gospel's expansion, but we also see provision for the gospel's forefathers. Provision for the gospel's forefathers. I was trying to think of another word to express that. The idea of, of the, the origin, where the gospel started, the, the headwaters, if you will, of the gospel. Because what Paul is doing, he expresses his desire to delay his trip to Rome and first to go in person to Jerusalem to deliver a gift of charity that had been collected among the churches in Macedonia and Achaia. And Paul to deliver that personally to the Christians in Jerusalem. So he understood that a part of the gospel is living out the gospel. Not only is the gospel proclaiming it, but the gospel is also living it out. And so Paul is wanting to be a blessing to the Christians who are in Jerusalem. And so he wants to bring provision for the gospel's forefathers. And so he says in verse 25, I want to come to you now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. In the book of Acts, chapter 11, we see this need prophesied by a man named Agabus. In Acts chapter 11, verse 28, a man named Agabus, who was prophesying through the Holy Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened, this was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And so Saul, his, as he is going around to the churches, he is also sharing the needs that the Christians in Jerusalem have. Famine, poverty, persecution in Jerusalem because of those uh, who were not believers in Jesus, other Jews who were persecuting them in Jerusalem. So there were hard times among the Christians in Judea. And Paul is going around and collecting help from Christians throughout the regions to bring back to Jerusalem. And it says in verse 27 that these Christians were pleased to do it. And indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So Paul describes here a gospel debt, a gospel debt that we who have been blessed need to be a blessing. We who have been blessed need to be a blessing. I think Paul means it here in two ways. One, he says we, and when he says we, he's talking about the Gentile Christians here. The Gentiles, the Romans, those in Macedonia, they have been blessed by the gospel going out from Jerusalem. The, The church of Jesus Christ started, its epicenter was Jerusalem. 
We see it happen in the days after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. We see the church gathered in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. We see the gospel being proclaimed and people being added to the church and baptized and the initial foundation of the church being laid. That was all in Jerusalem. And then God's plan was that from Jerusalem out into Judea and then out into Samaria and then out into the uttermost parts of the world, the gospel would spread. But Paul remembers, Paul understands that Peter, John, Philip, these disciples that were in the upper room, that, that first, that night before Jesus died, and then also that night that the Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, that they are our spiritual fathers in a way. They're the headwaters of the gospel from where the gospel river flows. And so Paul sees it that we have been blessed by the gospel. And so now we are to be a blessing in return. Not only to others in carrying that gospel message forward, but also in a very material, tangible way, we are to be a blessing to those who have blessed us. He says those who have been blessed with spiritual things, need to share their material things. And so he sees it as a gospel dead to bring provision for the gospel's forefathers. And interestingly enough, it is this desire, this this personal obligation that Paul feels to go to Jerusalem and to personally deliver this gift that in the end is why he never made it to Spain. And so it's very interesting that Paul's two desires here end up in conflict with one another. Although he does not know that, right? He does not know that from his perspective. From his perspective, he desires to go to Jerusalem, and if it is God's will, he's going to leave Jerusalem, go to Rome, and then go on to Spain and continue his gospel expansion ministry. But it was this trip to Jerusalem that caused him to be imprisoned and bound in chains. In fact, the same man, Agabus, who predicted the famine in Jerusalem and Judea, is the one who predicted that Paul would be arrested and bound in chains if he went to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Paul went to Caesarea, and they stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist. And in verse number 10, it says, After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said... The Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And after this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. And you can read the rest of Acts and see how the events unfolded. But it happened as Agabus prophesied. Paul was arrested. First, he was taken on by a mob in Jerusalem. And he had to be rescued by Roman soldiers 
from that mob. And then from that point forward, he was, he was rescued. He was protected from the Jews who wanted to kill him by Roman guards. Because he, as a Roman citizen, had appealed to Caesar that he would be set free. And so then his case kept moving forward from one official to the next, going larger and larger from local to regional, finally to, to standing before Caesar. And according to church tradition, he was put to death by the decree of Caesar in Rome and never made it to Spain. So his desire to go to Jerusalem, that obligation that he felt, ultimately in God's will is what prevented him from going to Spain. But he understood that. And that's why he said in the book of Acts 21, the Lord's will be done. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm ready to die there. The Lord's will be done. And also at the end of our passage in Acts chapter, or in Romans 15, he says, if it is the Lord's will, I'll come to you and then on to Spain. So he had plans for gospel expansion, but he had a desire to bring provision for the gospel's forefathers. And then he finishes in verses 30 through 33 with, with prayer for the gospel's success. Prayer for the gospel's success. In verses 30 to 33, he asks these Christians in Rome to pray for him. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. I think what's interesting in verse 30 is that Paul joins together what the gospel has accomplished in our lives with this urging, with this exhortation to pray for him. He says, by the Lord Jesus Christ, and by that I think he means all that Jesus is and all that he has accomplished. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who gave his life for me, the one who rose again for me, the one who is interceding for me, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love that the Holy Spirit has showed to me in in changing me and saving me. Based on that gospel hope, I urge you to pray for me. And then I find it interesting that Paul sees prayer as a means of partnership. Paul sees prayer as a means of partnership. Sometimes we think that, well, we're not as involved in missions because we're not actually going. We're not, we're not as an integral a part of this gospel expansion because we're not the one going to a foreign nation. But the way that Paul describes it here is he sees it as a partnership. That their prayers for him are joining in the struggle, joining in the same work that God had him doing in spreading the gospel. And so don't see your prayers as unimportant in the spread of the gospel. Prayer is a part of the process of gospel ministry and gospel expansion. And Paul saw that partnership through prayer. He says, pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea. So it's a prayer for safety from unbelievers. A prayer for safety from those that would seek to do him harm. That prayer was not answered in the way that Paul envisioned. Because he was threatened and his life was put in danger and he was ultimately arrested because of the unbelievers in Jerusalem. 
But God's, God's plans, again, override our plans, don't they? So even in our prayers, we submit them to the sovereign will of God. But he prayed for safety. He prayed for safety, that God would protect him from the unbelievers in Judea. That is a very legitimate prayer that we can pray for every missionary. We can, we can take a hint here from Paul's desire for prayer, and we can pray this exact same thing for the missionaries that we know and support. Pray for them, that they would be kept safe. Many of them are in dangerous places. Many of them come under persecution in various forms, from physical to emotional to verbal to financial. Pray for their safety. He says also pray for success for his mission. The first step in that mission was to bring a contribution to the church in Jerusalem. He says pray that that would be favorably received. Pray for success in that. And when he prays for safety from the unbelievers in Judea, I think he's praying for success for his plans, that they, he would be able to move forward to Rome and then on to Spain. So he's praying for safety, but he's also praying for success for his mission. We can pray that for our missionaries. Pray they would be kept safe. Pray that they would be successful in what they have been called to do in that place where they are. And then we see Paul's final benediction to them, a a final word of blessing. He says, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The heart of all of this in verses 22 through 33 is really the heart of the letter of Romans. And that is this, that the gospel would be proclaimed to the nations. That's Paul's heart. That's Paul's heart in these few verses that we've looked at this morning, that is his heart in the whole letter to Romans. That is why he said in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile. Paul was eager to preach the gospel to those in Rome. He was eager to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. He was eager to go on to Spain if it was the Lord's will and preach the gospel to them. It was about taking the good news of Jesus Christ and taking it as far as he possibly could to as many people as he possibly could as the Lord enabled him and gave him opportunity. We're not Paul. We're not called to the same ministry that he was. He was specifically appointed by God as an apostle to the Gentiles. But we have been entrusted with the good news of the gospel. And the great commission that Jesus left with his disciples in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is still our commission. To go into all the world and to make disciples everywhere in every nation and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to do it in the authority and with the power and the presence of Jesus Christ with us. That is our mission. So while we may partake in that mission in a way different from Paul because his was unique, we still have a role to play in that mission. Prayer is a part of that mission. Giving is a part of that mission. Going is a part of that mission. Proclaiming is a part of that mission. And we can be involved in several aspects of that mission. We can be involved in the praying. We can be involved in the giving. 
We may not necessarily be involved in the going, at least going far, but we can also be involved in the proclaiming. We can be involved in the proclaiming right where we are, and we can assist the proclaiming to those who go by praying and giving. And so we see a a good model here, not only for the heart of the gospel, but also for the way that the gospel moves forward. That is through prayer, through giving, through proclamation, through going. May we be a part of that gospel mission in the various ways and opportunities that God gives to us and with the gifts that he has blessed us with by his spirit. So may his gospel expand and go forward. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for the way that the gospel has made it to us. That from a very ancient city in Jerusalem, some 2,000 years ago, the gospel went out. Your servants, your disciples went. They went from town to town, from place to place. They preached the gospel. They endured suffering and persecution. They endured hardship. They made plans. Some of those plans worked out in the way that they envisioned. Some of them did not. But your gospel went out. And in your time, in your providence, in your sovereignty, it made its way to us. And we are now beneficiaries, recipients of the good news of grace. Lord, we've been blessed. So may we be a blessing. May we be a blessing by sharing the good news with others. May we be a blessing by giving to others and sharing our material things with those who have blessed us spiritually. May we be a part of the grand mission that you've called your church to. Lord, change our hearts. Give us the right priorities in our lives. Help us to love you and to love your mission more than the other things that this world has to offer. Lord, we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.